think for many of us who have these um, WordPress-based companies, we kind of evolve over time. And when Skybridge first started, it was definitely a hybrid between product and client services. And so a lot of uh, custom development projects for merchants uh, were things we did, and a lot of plugin ideas came out of that. This episode of The Matt Report is brought to you by the team at Valet. Valet helps brands unleash their potential with real-time metrics, intelligent recommendations, and that age-old method of having an awesome team to back it all up. See, my friends at Valet are up to something really, really cool. But first, let me ask you this question. Every time you build a website for a client, don't you feel like you're making the web a better place? Well, here's the thing. Valet's got something in the works that will let you back that claim up. It's called Valet Metrics, and you can get your free website snapshot over at valetmetrics.com. It's an amazing tool. You get in-depth analysis of a website covering security, speed, usability, traffic, conversions, all wrapped up in this beautiful reporting dashboard that provides action, not fluff. You and Valet, making WordPress and the web a better place. Get your snapshot at valetmetrics.com. Season four, episode number five with Becca Rice of Sky Verge. Uh, every agency, product company, almost every company really needs to start thinking like a media company. And you hear that through a lot of uh, industry internet marketing leaders like Gary Vaynerchuk, that kind of thing, creating content, but even going beyond just a blog post and going into courses and traditional um, educational training videos. And we're going to learn how Becca leverages sellwithwp.com for the Sky Verge brand and how it sort of started in this uh, echo chamber of having to teach customers how to use their plugins, but then how to teach their customers how to use other plugins around the WooCommerce space and how that spawned off into a, a, a great content marketing wheel for the business, which actually makes a little money on its own to kind of sustain itself, uh, but also brings in leads to the company and also raises brand awareness for the products that they that they make. Uh, an exceptionally good episode today. If you're into content marketing and how to do it, how to manage uh, the whole publishing calendar, how to look for other people to write for you, and and what is it? What really goes into the writing voice? If you are hiring somebody uh, to to write for your brand, maybe after this you'll start to second guess. The, uh, the level of attention that is required or the level of detail that is required when you hire somebody to write for you. Uh, just a great episode. Hope you really enjoy it. As always, mattreport.com slash subscribe to join the mailing list and thank our sponsors, Pagely and Valet. Let's get into the show. Hey, Becca, welcome to the program. Thanks so much for having me, Matt. Uh, we've chatted uh, through emails once in a while, uh, specifically with the Sell with WP website, which we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about uh, Skyverge um, agency product company. Yeah, I'll let you define that. But uh, for <laughs> folks who don't know who you are, uh, give us a two-minute elevator pitch of who you are and what you do. Sure. So um, I have worked with WordPress for several years now. Uh, I've been working with Skyverge for the past few years. We build uh, WooCommerce extensions. We're the largest third-party developer of official extensions for WooCommerce in the uh, WooCommerce.com marketplace. Uh, so at Skyverge, I've worn a lot of hats and, uh, and done a lot of different roles. Uh, primarily right now, I'm our WooCommerce team lead. So that means I'm managing uh, all of our product 
that integrates with WooCommerce, managing our development schedule, uh, testing, QA, sales copy documentation. So I touch a lot of different things uh, on that side, uh, which is great. I learn a lot of different uh, roles and I can be very involved in the WooCommerce space. And um, I also keep tabs on WooCommerce and other e-commerce platforms at sellwithwp.com, which is a site where we're devoted to e-commerce with WordPress. So membership sites, all different sorts of e-commerce sites. We try to give people very uh, actionable advice and tutorials they can follow. So I want to dive into that because I think that, uh, I mean, content marketing is one of those things that now it's like, boy, if you're not doing content marketing, you know, you know, you, you, I don't know what to say. Like you, you have to be doing it kind of thing. Uh, but not everybody actually, I just uh, did an interview with Dan Cameron and he doesn't really invest in a lot of, uh, content marketing, but it works for his business. But I think for a majority of us getting the word out there, finding new customers through either teaching them content or tutorials or highlighting products, that kind of thing is, is, is smart. Um, but what's your background? Is your background specifically marketing and content? Is it development? Is it something other than that? What is it? Completely different. Um, so I went to school as a chemistry major, trained as a chemist. I am a certified chemist. Uh, I also taught high school chemistry for four years. So um, my background is in teaching. And um, that's kind of where Sub with WP really came into play for us. Uh, so I have still, I've done lots of writing over the years. I've always been an active writer. I, uh, I did some sports writing for a while for uh, Rivals.com affiliate sites. So uh, I've, I've been into writing, I've been into teaching people things, and Sell with WP was kind of um, spurred on by that because with uh, WooCommerce, Max, one of our co-founders at Skyverge, was running an e-commerce site himself for a small pharmaceutical company and found that a lot of online tutorials will tell you, oh, you could do this to increase your sales. And they don't really give you actionable steps to actually go ahead and, and implement that advice. And so that was one thing he was frustrated with. And on my end, I was teaching a lot of merchants how to use our plugins uh, when I first started. And so kind of combining those two needs is where Sell with WP came into play. So it was more so intended to be a teaching tool at first. Since we were doing a lot of teaching anyway, we figured we should centralize that knowledge and make it accessible. But definitely, uh, it was also a content marketing tool, as you said. And it was super valuable for us because it let us establish ourselves as someone who, who knew what they were talking about. And, and we were happy to help people uh, get up and running and, and, and build their dreams, so to speak, with these e-commerce stores that they were all trying to get off the ground. So it was two purposes for us. Um, first was to teach merchants and get them introduced to the tools they needed to solve these problems and to also establish ourselves as people who could help you do that. And is Skyverge, would they define uh, or you define the, the company as sort of client services with products or products with client services or, or neither. Um, because, and I just want to say like, I, you know, guilty as charged. Like I have an agency where we do client work and then we have plugins and we do content production like this. <laughs> so we're like a hybrid too. And, and maybe that's what we all should be. I don't know, but I'll let you sort of define that, that vertical. Yeah. And, and that's an excellent question. And I think for many of us, who have these um, WordPress-based companies, we kind of evolve over time. And when Skyverge first started, it was definitely a hybrid between product and client services. And so a lot of uh, custom development projects for merchants 
uh, were things we did, and a lot of plugin ideas came out of that. As time uh, went on, we evolved into a very product-focused company. And so we do a, a pretty minimal amount of client work nowadays. Uh, most of the time we're focused on partnerships with larger businesses to get them involved in the WooCommerce space. So a recent one we did was a partnership with Avalara, who does uh, sal uh, sales tax automation services and building an integration plugin for WooCommerce with them so that their merchants can be using WooCommerce uh, effectively and then have that connector plugin to connect those two services. So over time, we've gone from, from that hybrid model to definitely a more product-focused model over time. We still do, like I said, a minimal amount of client projects, but not very often. Usually things where we have a far level higher of expertise than other people might have. So those are quick projects for us that are also super valuable for the client because they're getting someone who can do work quicker and, and more effectively than someone else might be able to. And it really positions... The, you know, your, well, the product, it's, I should say that the product positions your potential customer at, you know, as like, you know what you're doing. <laughs> like, that's what it boils down to. It's like, oh, like right. we have products, uh, we're the largest extension or plugin provider, add-on provider. And, uh, oh, by the way, we built these suite of the suite of plugins and we're going to bring them to your website. So obviously you're going to know and trust that we know how to implement this in almost any scenario, which I, which I think is smart. And, Although it's still challenging, right? One of the biggest challenges is how does an agency find the find the the, the time to split away, <laughs> or what's the strategy to split away, or is there no strategy to say, okay, we're a fully product focused company now? I mean, I guess it just depends on how successful your your plugin is at any given point, and it to be successful enough to say we can stop client services. Is that sort of what Skyverge found when they sort of transitioned over to more product focus? Yeah, there's uh, several excellent questions in yeah. that thread. So we'll break a few of those out. Uh, first of all, when uh, we were doing more client work, we found that that fed into the products quite nicely. And so as an agency, you have that initial touch point with merchants and you know their exact problems, or at least as closely as they can articulate those problems. And then you're kind of reading between the lines. And so when you're taking those problems, you have that intimate knowledge of what it is they need and where there might be gaps in, in what current products are, are providing to them. So for us, that was where a lot of those products came from was that touch in, in client projects and that intimate knowledge of these issues they were having and what was solving them and what wasn't solving them for merchants. Out of that, we basically adopted an approach where if we felt like something would be best served as a generic plugin, what we would do is offer a development discount to the merchant. So we'd say, okay, you want this custom thing developed for you. We feel like, however, we could provide this as a generic solution to merchants. So here's what we'll do out of this. We will decrease the funding you put into this project. We're not going to eliminate the fee, obviously, because otherwise we're just not going to build this. But we'll decrease our development fee. What you'll get out of this is you'll also get a plugin that we're committing to supporting and updating over time. This isn't going to be a one-off development project. So we're both going to benefit here in that we get to sell this, but you get a license for this for life that's going to be updated and maintained as people buy this plugin um, on the marketplace. And so that kind of fed the client work into building the products, which was one of our most important things. This episode of The Matt Report is brought to you by Pagely. Pagely, where we help big brands scale WordPress, it's enterprise WordPress hosting in the Amazon cloud. If you're building big, powerful WordPress websites for your clients, you need big, powerful hosting, and Pagely delivers. I use Pagely for my websites and e-commerce shops, so I trust their service, and I have no issues recommending them to you. 
Look, I only bring on sponsors that I trust. And who else trusts Pagely? Verizon, eBay, Disney, Twitter, and more. You can see that right on the homepage of their website. Pagely is the OG of WordPress managed hosting, and they're innovating the market every single day. If your clients trust you to write scalable code, then trust Pagely to host it for you. Check out pagely.com. And I love that strategy. It's one that we uh, implement with the stuff we do with Conductor. Did you ever get any pushback? I know we we got pushback on that, like, oh, you're going to make this available, or how about you do it for free since you're going to make this available and you're going to sell licenses to it? What Did you get a pushback on that, and how did you sort of traverse it? Uh, so occasionally we did. Um, sometimes... It, uh, most of the time people understand that, right? Like it's not feasible for us to just build all this software because then we're assuming all of the risk on it. And while we do our, the best job that we can in validating uh, this product idea and, and the potential price point and, and our revenue projections for that product, um, if we feel like the risk isn't necessarily worth it, we're just not going to build it. So there were times where people made a suggestion and we're like, that sounds like a great idea. We'll build it. And we've done that. But more often if someone had a niche idea and we're like, so we think we could sell it, but we're not really sure um, we just have explained that it doesn't make sense for us to take on all the risk for it. So if you don't want to fund it, that's fine. But we're also not going to build it. And um, we may build it at some point down the road, but we're not going to build it right now because we have you know a ton of ideas that are on our plate. And if we're not going to have funding for that, we're going to build what we see as the most profitable or most promising ideas. And that might not be your idea. So definitely some some interesting client relations that come out of it like you said though for sure yeah i'm i'm also interested to know about and this is sort of a uh, a random question that just popped into my head here the client expectation when you when you and this is like pre-sales process sales process negotiations i wasn't really planning to ask this uh question but uh when a customer says I'm having such, oh, excuse me, when WordPress agency or consultant says, I'm having such a hard time selling my services to, you know, I don't know, random customer, right? And, but they're, they're going from customer to customer. They're going to a pizza shop, to a real estate agent, to, you know, a, a, an accountant. They go to all these random sort of avatars and they don't primarily focus on, let's say, e-commerce. You know, I guess what the benefit is, or, or maybe you can speak to it is, is it easier to sell to e-commerce customers because there's a definite return on investment. Like, there, can you build this for me so we can sell stuff online? And you say, mm -hmm. how much are you going to sell online? Well, we're going to sell $100,000 worth online. Okay, so our project fee is, I don't know, $60,000 $60, to do this, 60% of your first year's revenue. Do you find that the team finds it easier to negotiate client contracts or is it still the same sort of pitch process, value proposition, how are you going to support us kind of thing, and maybe, air quotes, traditional client services. <laughs> yeah, that's that's, a, that's an excellent question as well. Uh, so on our end, we found definitely that uh, merchants making money from what they're, what they're uh, paying us to do has made it very... Uh, not simple, but I would say easier for us to pitch those those services to them. Uh, and that not only extends to custom work, but that extends to pricing as well. So a good example of that is we have an abandoned cart app that we recently launched for WooCommerce. We've had it in Shopify for a very long time and uh, easy digital downloads integration also coming very shortly. And that's uh, an easy pitch because it says, hey, you know, you pay this per month, you pay this percentage of recovery revenue and it makes you more money. And so it's it's like a no-brainer to people. It's, okay, well, I pay this much and I make X dollars per month from this. 
Why wouldn't I do that? And so it definitely makes that pitch easier. Um, there's a fine line, though, because sometimes if you're dealing with merchants that are saying, okay, well, I'm going to make X amount of dollars from this, um, while you can more easily implement a value-based pricing model, they don't want to necessarily feel like it's a tax on their earnings. And so you, uh, you just have to be cognizant of that as you're, as you're pricing these products. But it definitely does make that pitch far easier, I think, than let's say someone who wants a static website and they're not really sure what return they're going to get out of this other than branding or awareness. Yeah, it's definitely much more when somebody does the traditional marketing site, that's much more of an investment for the customer, uh, you know, in the marketing dollars and branding, like you, like you mentioned. There's no real super fast, um, you know, result unless, of course, it's, you know, I don't know, a redesign and, and now they can track things that they could never track before, like email signups or contact forms or whatever, uh, or phone calls, uh, that kind of thing. Did you ever get into, I've, I've only come across a handful of, and I even hate to say this, but RFPs, <laughs> request for proposals, um, where customers, e-commerce customers come to us and they say, do you have any performance-based pricing? Uh, where if their site performs, which I guess is piggybacking off of this recent answer, where if their site performs X amount of dollars, uh, you as the agency get, get a little cut of that. Have you ever come across that or even you know negotiated contracts like that before? Uh, in terms of custom development contracts, no. Because okay. the thing with us is that when, when someone comes with that proposal, uh, we're, our costs are fixed, right? We have developers and they cost money and everybody's got to eat. <laughs> Right. And so, uh, and I laugh because so, so few people realize that, you know, we have to right. pay people on the other end. Exactly. And, and, uh, we invest a lot of money in hiring good developers and teaching them. And so, uh, while we've considered, uh, contracts where, um, we may take a, a fee or a performance type fee afterwards, there is always some fixed development costs up front, um, that's going to cover that. And then typically what we'll try to do is if people want those um, performance-based metrics, that would be something we would consider as part of a maintenance contract and not part of initial development. Sure, sure. Um, switching gears just a little bit, how has the acquisition of WooCommerce uh, impacted the business? Um, and it could be from whatever, I'll just give you the mic, uh, <laughs> more awareness towards your company, any kind of interesting sort of uh, thought process on, gee, what do we do about products now, that kind of thing. Uh, moving forward. Yeah, that's been an interesting uh, situation since I think it definitely did raise awareness for sure. Um, it became this thing where people that were in WordPress were very familiar with WooCommerce and very familiar with WooThemes. Uh, but people outside of WordPress weren't necessarily as aware of it um, that are not like in the e-commerce sphere. And even in the e-commerce sphere, some people thought, oh, it's a plugin for WordPress. It's not a serious platform, um, which you see sometimes when you talk to like Shopify developers, for example. Um, and so I think having automatic acquire it definitely put it on the map for some people that otherwise weren't familiar with it or felt like it wasn't a serious e-commerce solution, um, which as, as many of us that work with it know, it's, it's been functional and very flexible for years. Right. So uh, definitely changed the dynamic, I think, in terms of visibility for it and in terms of uh, perception, uh, in terms of the relationship we have with them. I think it's been great to see other developers rotating into the WooCommerce space. Uh, if you pay attention to the WooCommerce repo, Automatic has been rotating other developers from other areas of Automatic, like Jetpack developers, and they've done WooCommerce rotations. And so out of that has come some interesting uh, UIs, like changing the way um, uh, the edit order and order list is output is coming soon, right? So those are kind of some things you get from that. So it's just been cool to kind of see the um, 
change in perspective and different people kind of getting involved in it and contributing and bringing their own experiences into it. I think that just gives you a, a richer and, and more diverse product. Since the company works with Shopify, and I've actually had a uh, Shopify shop owner, or excuse me, a digital agency owner, um, Carson McComas, he's actually up in Boston as well. Can't remember the name of his agency right off the top of my head, but I'll definitely link it the interview up in the show notes. But since you deal with Shopify uh, and WooCommerce at the same time, is there anything that Shopify does really well that you'd like to see come to WooCommerce? Oh, absolutely. Uh, they, they both have things they, they're really strong with. One thing I love about Shopify is that they have this concept of uh, payment and fulfillment status which is something we discuss with WooCommerce a lot. And so with WooCommerce, you have an overall order status, which is great for most shops, but can be a little bit limiting for people that are shipping items individually from an order or drop shipping some things, uh, and especially with back orders as well. And so when you're not sure which items in an order have been fulfilled, it can be a little bit confusing for some of these larger merchants that are trying to get on board and use it. So that is one concept I love about Shopify that uh, should hopefully come to WooCommerce soon as they kind of redo the way orders are structured uh, to give you payment and fulfillment sep uh, status is separated. Um, I think Shopify does some great things in terms of uh, user onboarding and uh, making it easy for people to understand that you just have a shop and it's here and everything you need is here. Uh, whereas with WooCommerce, obviously you're, you're uh, sourcing hosting and then you're installing the plugin. And so it, it typically requires a higher technical competency to get started with and Shopify does. So it's awesome kind of spanning both of those ecosystems because you see a lot of things that one does well that the other one could improve with and vice versa. How do you stage the decision for a customer to go from or to pick a platform? Do you say that Shopify is the easier, more, uh, I don't know, user-friendly version that's made for smaller shops and then WooCommerce is, is made for larger shops, that kind of thing? Uh Shop size, actually, I wouldn't even bring into it at all. Uh, Shopify Plus is an excellent solution for enterprise merchants. They have tons of great brands using it. Um, with WooCommerce, you know, you can certainly get to that level as well. Um, there is a certain theoretical limit that WooCommerce could scale to uh, based on how many database rights are, are going on at a single time. Um, but size is, you know, is, is great for both. WooCommerce could be a cheaper option, and that might be better for a small shop. For me, typically, I take a look at what kind of products they're going to sell and what kind of um, integrations they're going to need. Because with Shopify, um, while there is a really amazing app ecosystem, uh, the difference being that those are all closed pieces of software, and they're all hosted pieces of software. And so while an app may get you 90% of the way there, there's sometimes no way to get that last 10%. You know, so while... Um, a good example of that is we have a, a product customization app that's similar to the WooCommerce product add-ons plugin that lets you add customization options to your products. And so with Shopify, adding fees is, is uh, way more difficult than it should be. It's actually absurd that there is no fees API. And so we have to do some, some trickery in using kind of a hidden product to add those costs into the cart. And while that may get you all the way there, if you want to do some advanced stuff with that, um, you, you may not be able to do that with the help of a developer. There just might not be the tools you need. Whereas with WordPress, uh, you know, you can modify everything about the plugin. And if you need hooks, typically developers are very willing to add them. So for me, the definitive factor is typically how much do you want to manage on your own? Um, and, and are you willing to, to level up that technical competency, so to speak? Um, because that might be a definitive factor. And then what kind of products are you selling? What kind of integrations do you need? Because that'll dictate which one is a better fit for you in the long run. It's I'm doing the, We're doing a project now that is with uh, semi unrelated to this, it's Infusionsoft, but it's all 
some it's mm. e-commerce transactions. I'm sorry. That we do. Yeah. And oh my God, like, oh my God, like it's just mind boggling that we've, we've had conference calls with people from Infusionsoft and you get them on the phone and it's just like corporate America. Like they're, oh, so Bill didn't send, oh no, Bill didn't send me, or Oh, Joe can't get on to the conference. He's having microphone issues. Like, oh God, I'm 17 minutes waiting for this conversation. And then we get into the technical stuff and, oh no, you can't do that. Or we'll look into it and we can't. It's just a nightmare. A nightmare yeah, working in these. No ETA. Yeah. <laughs> and, and working in their closed platform uh, is definitely a, a pain. You know, again, there's, there's, I guess there's a lot of benefits to Infusionsoft for the end user, but whew, um I do not enjoy working in a, in a closed system, but obviously from what you said and what I've heard from Carson before, Shopify at least has a, a, a what I'm assuming a responsive team that listens to you at this point. You might not be able to do everything that last 10%, but it sounds like they're much more of a uh, forgiving platform and they have at least people who listen to you uh, to some degree. Yeah, in terms of a closed system, uh, they are definitely very developer friendly. Um, Moving forward with WooCommerce, I mean, what is the uh, what's the temperature in the room from from your perspective, from Skyverse perspective, in terms of where WooCommerce is going to go? Hosted platform. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, is what does the future of WooCommerce look like to you? Yeah, there's so many directions it can go in. Um, I think with WooCommerce Connect being something that uh, Automatic has has focused on pretty heavily. Uh, I think there's definitely room for more hosted type services to integrate with WooCommerce. Uh, and and we've obviously invested in that with an abandoned card app that's hosted and has a connector plugin. Um, so I think that there's definitely room for those sort of more mature solutions that um, shouldn't all necessarily happen server side and, and within your site. Um, that you're seeing more and more of that and the maturity of both the WooCommerce and WordPress REST APIs is certainly enabling that and making it more feasible for merchants and developers alike. Um, so definitely I think you'll see a lot more hosted solutions pop up. Um, and then, uh, in terms of a fully hosted solution itself, uh, I think that that's something that, uh, would be very tough for most people besides automatic to achieve. But I think that that's definitely a longer term goal for that is to, to bring that kind of functionality to, uh, either wordpress.com or its own, you know, unique thing for sure. Um, uh, but then at that point, they're also going head to head with Shopify, right? There's there's not much difference with that. So it's an interesting uh, interesting problem to see come up. And um, one I'll be curious to keep an eye on because I don't think it's necessarily feasible for smaller players uh, in the marketplace to offer that hosted solution. I think they're one of the only people that has that as a viable reality. And so I think with them, we'll see them focus more on that. But in terms of other third party developers, I think uh, different hosted apps and maybe some that are integrating with the REST API. Um, but still having robust APIs of their own that developers could leverage is definitely an area of growth that we'll see. What about easier, more manageable uh, WordPress e-commerce solutions? Uh, do you know of any? <laughs> Can you recommend any? Uh, because I still feel that there's a lot of overhead in WooCommerce for a, a basic shop. I mean, real basic shop, like somebody who's you only get a handful of things. I mean, I know the argument can be made that you can certainly use WooCommerce, but is there anything out there that could maybe somebody could launch or this exists already that differentiates itself from it doesn't have a million add-ons like WooCommerce, but guess what? You'll never need it. Uh, you know, anything out there that exists or you'd like to see uh, be created for smaller e-commerce shops? Yeah, there's definitely a few few angles from which you could attack that. Um, Easy Digital Downloads obviously does an excellent job 
uh, if you're if you're going to be a digital only product, um, and even for some physical products, since you could just use a simple shipping add-on if you uh, don't have a very large order size, if you're only selling a few items at a time. Uh, with WooCommerce, I think they're doing a much better job at at letting you conditionally disable certain parts of the core plugin. For example, you can disable shipping completely nowadays uh, with WooCommerce 2.6, which wasn't necessarily very easy to do previously. Uh, so I think they're taking good steps themselves to to getting to that point and, and simplifying it for some of those stores. Um, but aside from that, I, I don't think that many of the other solutions for WordPress are as actively developed and maintained and all kind of have quirks of their own. For example, um, when Exchange first came out, I was pretty excited about that. But um, I don't think the order management workflows in that have uh, improved as quickly as I would have liked to see them improve. Um, so in all honesty, if you want uh, a simple store and you don't need much, that's typically when I think Shopify really shines. Sure. And then you could also embed those products with, um, with the Shopify buy now functionality. Um, because you can embed those products on your WordPress site, and it basically just gives you a card overlay that can that can let the purchase happen right there. And that goes—is that like an OEmbed kind of thing? Like you're literally copy pasting something, or is there like a real connector? Air quotes. Uh, well, there is a there is a WordPress connector plugin. I think it might have been WebDev that actually rebuilt that for them um, to uh, to basically it basically wraps that buy now functionality to embed embed products and buy now buttons. Cool. So yeah, you could use that WordPress plugin to do so. Awesome. Shifting gears once again, content marketing, sell a WP website, um, the sort of ROI, the concept, the outlook of that for Skyverge. Um, was it an immediate goal to say, look, we need to get into content marketing and by absorbing a property or getting a property like this and really putting out, you know, typical content marketing around selling with WordPress. Has that been the driving factor to lead folks back to the plugins and services that Skyverge provides? Or is it, does, do you look at sell with WP as its own silo, its own business channel? Uh, I think that leading people back into plugins has, has been an ancillary benefit, not necessarily the main focus. Um, for us, the content marketing side of things for us started actually very heavily on the skyverge.com blog. And so uh, Justin, the uh, one of our co-founders, was blogging a ton when he first started getting into um, WordPress, shifting away from Magento, and found that uh, there were a lot of people that were more technologically advanced, a lot of developers, kind of site implementers using WooCommerce, and a lot of questions on how you could customize things. And so he ended up publishing tons of tutorials, comparisons between plugins. Uh, one of his most famous or, or infamous, depending on your viewpoint, uh, posts was about WooCommerce versus Chica Shop uh, after the fork happened. And so uh, a lot of those things, actually, we saw the power of that with, with the Skyverge.com blog at first, and that was leading people back into plugins and also building that trust in your brand. And so Sell with WP kind of launched with similar goals, you know, to build trust in itself as a trusted, you know, as a trusted and valuable resource for tutorials, um, plugin recommendations that are not just based on uh, how many Code Canyon referrals I can get, but ones that we've actually used or at least vetted, you know, open the plugin up and look at the code base, right? And so um, uh, that was the primary goal was to have a brand in and of itself, Um but then th that brand could also be used to feed back into not just our plugins, but ones from other developers that we feel like provide the kind of software and services that merchants are looking for. I'm sort of chuckling in my head right now <laughs> with the phrase <laughs> with the phrase after the fork. It could be like a yeah. great tabloid series for, <laughs> for, for WordPress uh, content or blog. Um, so and post fork world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so now you lead. You, give folks the one-on-one you lead the content management of sell with wp is that correct i do yes 
what is that? What have you learned having to dive headfirst into the content marketing world and, and sort of wrangling either publishing content, getting ghost writers to, or I should say freelance writers to come in and, and write for the site, uh, advertisement sort of give us, you know, anything <laughs> that any nuggets of information you have on that. Uh, yeah, all crash courses yeah. that, I've, that I've done there. Um, and, uh, the great thing is that I've learned a lot. So what I do is I, I write a post and a weekly roundup myself a week. Uh, I don't really like the idea of ghostwriting since I feel like if you write it, you should get credit for it. So I write everything that I write. And then, um, Jai, who's one of our other writers, um, also writes a post a week. And so, uh, sourcing freelance writers that I felt like met our publishing standards was definitely very difficult. Um, because a lot of times I feel like the content is very topical and like typical those things that you find on other sites where it might be here are some ways you could increase, uh, you know, your order average order value or your revenue in your store. And it's like, great. Now, how do I actually implement that? And those people don't have necessarily an intimate knowledge of WordPress all the time. And so they can't tell you exactly how to do that or which tools are available. And so, um, having that very specific goal in mind, I think was one of the most important things I did the whole time I was building that site because that dictated those decisions. I'm not just going to bring in freelance writers. I'm going to write this myself until I find people that are going to meet those standards for me. Um, when we first launched, uh, we were very fortunate to have Skyverge basically subsidizing a lot of the time I was spending on it because we wanted to make sure we built that quality first. Um, and then we'd monetize the site later on after we had, um, built up a, a bit of an initial audience. And so, um, we had started out small with like Google AdWords and some other things, some affiliate programs. Um, we knew that affiliate programs were one of the ways we wanted to monetize a site, but we wanted to build a reputation for ourselves first. So it didn't seem like we were just shilling products because it was very important to us to, to build that trust. And then, um, and then we got into advertising as the audience grew and we felt that we could, prov we could provide um, a minimum level of value to advertisers. And so we wanted to build the audience first and then we brought in advertisers. So, um, Max and Justin fortunately had some guidance there. Um, Max, uh, I think he might be loath to admit, but in, in his college days did some affiliate marketing, um, in, in its heyday himself. And so had some good advice there on building audience and building traffic. Um, so for us, the, content was the main thing. And I think keeping the focus there is a great place to start before you're then getting too heavily into advertising because you need to make sure you're providing that value. Uh, I have a self-serving question. <laughs> sure. <laughs> how have you found, uh, and maybe it's not even on the table anymore, but how did you find the affiliate revenues to be uh, starting out? Has it increased? Is it still something that's a cornerstone of revenue to, to, to pay for the property? Because I've recently got into doing more tutorials with the same sort of onus that you have is like, I'm trying to get something for the people who are implementing it, right? Because we, you know, people are sort of shell or shocked by the, um, shock's not the right word, but very uh, drawn to internet marketers who can teach them how to do things, but they don't show them how to actually do it in WordPress or on their own property. So I'm like, I want that to happen, right? I want to show people how to do what they're listening to their favorite marketer of the month doing. Um, and I'm trying to subsidize this with some affiliate links. Am I just chasing dreams here or, you know, do you, did you see success or do you still see success with affiliate links? Yeah. So, um, we see enough success that the site keeps running, but it's not necessarily like a huge revenue driver or like insanely profitable. Um, and for us, that's always been okay because, um, 
all we ever wanted out of that site was for it to pay for itself and maybe a little bit more than that. And so I think that because of that, we haven't monetized it as heavily as we as we potentially could. And uh, for us, you know, as long as that site pays for the freelance writer that is writing once a week and for the time I spend writing once a week and for its hosting costs, um, that's been okay for me. So over time, we've definitely seen affiliate revenues grow, but it's not like we're, um, it was a Pat Flynn, right, making, I don't know, 20000 $50,000 a month from Bluehost. I don't even know what he does anymore. And <laughs> they just uh, throw money at him now to just. Right. Exactly. I mean, it's like they just probably don't even track it anymore. They're just like, we're going to pay you this much per month. Um, so definitely, we're not at that level. And um, But that was okay for us because that wasn't our goal, because the goal was teaching and educating people on um, where to find solutions that aren't going to cause me more support headaches, to be honest, and to also kind of um, build our brand. So, uh, it was okay for us if it didn't make a ton of money. Sure. Um, for other sites, I think that you could definitely do more in terms of monetization. Um, we could do a lot more by trying to get site sponsorships, I think. Um, we could also do more around uh, hosting, which is where a lot of affiliate revenue is, could, could come from. But um, uh, I, always, I always felt like you might have to sell your soul a little bit to do that well. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can certainly say that this season that people are listening to right now season four is the first time that i've actually had sponsored uh sponsored season and uh i still haven't signed on the dotted line as of this recording <laughs> so i won't mention the names but they're two very respected uh companies in the wordpress space and for me like going all these years I don't even know. It's been three years, maybe, maybe almost three and a half doing the Matterport stuff. I've always said like, no, I'm not going to, I don't want to do advertising because I don't know. Sometimes I rant about WordPress and I just want my message to stay <laughs> clear of, of you know, any kind of bias. Yeah, um, freedom. But now it's time to eat, right? So now it's time to, uh, you know, shifting the personal life a little bit and the business goals and desires. And it's like, you know what? Now I want to just really do what I love and make money doing it and continue to produce content. Um, but you know, that's sort of a long winded way to say is like, yeah, once you get into selling direct sales of advertisement, um, you know, it becomes like one of the, it becomes a real song and dance of, well, how many, what's your viewership? What's your traffic? Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's not all about that. This is about messaging and branding. And, and, the good people know that, right? They realize that. But you start doing things at scale, right? Where now it like becomes like, you know, 15 sponsors per post or, you know, you start really growing a business. Then it really becomes down to like numbers and people don't care. They're just like, what can I get for 50 bucks a month? <laughs> it's just like, wouldn't even do that. Uh, mm. it, it can definitely become an interesting space. Yeah, I think that the point you have about freedom is definitely uh, one that I've always had in my mind as well. Yeah. Uh, I want to be able to say what I want to say. And um, with affiliate revenue, like I'll do that. I'll tell you if I think something sucks and I'll still use an affiliate link because if you still want to buy it, good for you. Like I'll take a commission, right? Um, but yeah, with advertising, I think it uh, you just have to be very upfront with your advertisers that you're not going to be um, uh, a paid shill, I guess, so to speak. Sure. And I think that WordPress is a interesting community, even though I hate the word interesting. <laughs> it's an interesting <laughs> community because... Everything is looked at in a 
vacuum microscope, whatever the phrase is, because everyone's, oh, you're using affiliate links. Like, how dare you? Like, it, you know, you have people who won't even like, oh, this, this post has affiliate links. I'm not even going to read it. Or, you know, then people say like, oh, you're, you're looking at this product. Um, you know, we're not friends anymore. Perfect example on the plug and tut channel that I have. I recently did a overview of, um, Divi, uh, WordPress, mm. uh, WordPress theme slash builder all in one, probably one of the most prominent behind visual composer. And I did my typical, like I'm going at it from a, uh, first time user. Cause literally I have never used Divi before. And mm. I know they were like, they did this hundred days of Divi, excellent marketing. And, uh, so I was like, I'm going to try it out. They're, they're putting all this new technology in the front end builder. Uh, I'll try it out. Give it a shot. And it was okay. It was okay. I didn't have any problems, you know, with the product because I think it's built for that person who just wants to build this little site and not have to worry about like going to find a whole bunch of stuff to do it. But I gave my opinion on the interface. Like I found it very difficult to maneuver for the first time user. <laughs> and like the people that came out on that video on YouTube, I guess I should say that welcome to YouTube, right? But the comment, <laughs> Never read the comments. Right. I mean, people are like, you're an idiot. Like, you don't know what you're doing. If you spent like three to four hours using it, you'd know how to use it. So I'm like, so then I did another video. I'm like, oh, I'm looking at Divi's website. I don't see uh, copywriting that says this will take you three to four hours to learn. <laughs> like, yeah. in, in what world do you think that's a selling point? Um, so very interesting to get the feedback from, from people who are so passionate about a product. Um, but at the same time, I have an affiliate link on there because I share my thoughts. I say, hey, if you just want a six-page website, 12-page website, go for it. But guess what? You're in short code hell if you decide to leave. <laughs> and there is, and, and I warned you, but if you want to go and buy it, you can use my link because I need, it took me time, hours to make this product or this video. So if you do end up buying it, maybe I'll make a little something. If you don't, oh, you know, oh, well. And consequently, that got me a great interview with Nathan B. Weller, who's the content marketing manager over there. And he's a smart dude. Um, I'll definitely link that up in this conversation because uh, he shared a lot of great tips on uh, hiring freelance writers and getting them into a process so that they are creating good content that has synergy with the brand, right? So like you mm -hmm. said, you didn't want to worry about, you know, bringing in a, a writer and, and it's just not being up to the quality level that you expect. Uh, he shared some good insights here. That, anyway, that's an aside. Uh, <laughs> but but what a, what about con like managing the content from your perspective? What advice or techniques have you used so that you can come in week after week and, and produce content? Like what gets you into the habit of doing that? What have you learned over time? Yeah, there's a lot of different sources I draw from there. So for me, um, I'm a typical type A person, like love organization, lists, you know, <laughs> the whole thing, right? Um, and so I use a Trello board so that every time I get an idea or someone asking me a question on something they don't know how to do, I add a Trello card. And then that way I can come back and look at that and see if it makes a good tutorial candidate. And so tracking those ideas is, I think, one of the biggest things that's helped because you'll just you'll forget about that, even if you think you're going to remember. Uh, so there's tons and tons and tons of ideas on the Sub with WP Trello board. Um, and then I will come back and I try every so often, um, try to do like once a month or something to add more detail to those or get rid of cards that um, I decide won't be a good fit. Um Use editorial calendar plugin. Uh, it's a free plugin on WordPress to manage when I'm going to publish content. Try to at least um, 
uh, each week put up which idea I think I'm going to tackle so that I kind of have that there and, you know, move the Trello cards in the stack to which ones are scheduled and which ones are still just ideas. Um, and then um, in terms of the, uh, the writing process itself, I try to spend uh, 30 minutes or so digging into an idea and outlining. And if I can't uh, come up with a good outline, I'll scrap it and come at it the next day um, and, uh, and get rid of that concept. So definitely, um, requires a pretty significant time investment, obviously, as you all know, to, uh, to come through and, um, and have good ideas, um, and, uh, consistently publish content that's useful. Um, the other place that's sourced from, and I think, uh, as an agency or as a plugin developer, your support queue is an amazing resource for you to come up with content ideas. And so use those. Every time I have someone ask me, uh, you know, how do I send a WooCommerce email to myself? I want to CC myself on this customer invoice. Like, you can do that, sure. And it's it's a small snippet, and that's, you know, code I feel comfortable sharing publicly, right? That I feel like it's pretty resilient <laughs> to, to different, you know, environments. So I'll write that up. Yeah, absolutely. I think the biggest thing for me recently, and I'm, I'm still trying to get, I mean, I, recently we had a, a baby three months ago, so it's like time like time doesn't exist anymore. It's just like days. Sleep doesn't either. Right. <laughs> days just mashed together and like, you know, trying to write blog posts on my phone while I'm sitting on the couch, like shake, you know, uh, rocking the, rocking the rock and play thing. Um, uh, where's I going with this? Oh, the, the outlining has been a tremendous sort of uh, like mental help right there. Like, like mm. you said, if I can't get a few good, bullet points out and sort of expand on those in a few sentences to a couple paragraphs of an idea, then like I, I scrap it or I just put it on the back burner and, and come back to it. That's been like the biggest thing for me instead of just staring at the blank canvas and trying to think of like introduction into story, moving into mm. the main topic and closing oh, it. Yeah. Like it's just like, Oh I always God. this last. Yeah. Uh, honest. Yeah. Um, and that's been the, the biggest sort of, uh, strat like hacking strategy there for me. Um, the uh, I'm not a, I'm not a type A and I'm like half a type A in, in terms <laughs> of like what is it a B a type B maybe B plus uh, where I, I I'm will, not really sure what else there is honestly yeah <laughs> uh, I, I I list out big ideas and I have like a running list but I I'm very I still need to get organized and the point of this is is I was recently listening to a podcast with speaking of Pat Flynn's content person. And she said she has content planned out for an entire year. I don't oh even God. know how that's <laughs> possible. Um, but I can't even imagine what, what that's like. Um, so how, how do you sort of go with the trends? Um, you know, I, I feel like because we are so busy, and this is for somebody who's busy doing other things, you know, mm -hmm. product support, running the agency, doing all that stuff, um, how do you stay up with the trends if all of a sudden, you know, WooCommerce announces a hosted platform tomorrow? Like, do you break the mold and just sort of go right at it? Or do you just like you're trying to stay up with like that WordPress trendy, like release the news and publish the news as fast as possible kind of thing? And so that's actually one of the reasons I shied away from doing a strictly news based site. Um, I, I definitely don't plan a year of content in advance, but I try to at least map out ideas for a month. Um, and say, this is what I want to tackle this month. Um, but definitely in terms of news or new things like, uh, you know, WooCommerce 2.6 is coming out soon or, or a new easy digital downloads version or something like that. Um, it's totally, I find it totally acceptable to break that publishing schedule and just bump something else. Um, so for me, 
while I might have that mapped out for a month, I'm happy to just bump an idea down to the next week or a couple of weeks from there and, and try and tackle that when I can. Um, being busy certainly though uh, is, is one of the biggest problems. And I think as an agency or someone who's using the site as a marketing tool and not necessarily as a business in and of itself, um, I think that's why, for example, it hasn't generated as much revenue as it could have because it's not my primary focus. I'm not building it as a business. I'm, I'm using it as a tool. Sure. And um, I don't necessarily think it's important, if, if that's your focus, to break news right away, but to sure. just do it well. Yeah. And so for me, while I, I might include that in a roundup, I might say, well, we'll tackle a review of this next week. And then that way it gives me time to dig into it. And I think for most people, that's what they care about more. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, what about promoting a blog post, uh, it's proof is in the pudding kind of thing. And I know this from, from cold, hard evidence in my, in my own data, but listening to other folks, uh, especially the internet marketers out there that saying that, you know, you have to spend even more time promoting your post as you do writing it. Does that ring true for you? Or is it again, because you're not looking at it from a pure business plays, uh, do you spend as much time promoting it? And if, but if you do, what, what's your tactics on around that promoting it? Yeah, I think I'm terrible at that. Actually. <laughs> um, so there's tons and tons I could be doing there that I don't because it's a time factor. Right. And um, if, if you're working on promoting, definitely, um, I think it's a super valuable thing, especially as you're trying to build an audience. Uh, I was always focused on getting organic search traffic um, because I always felt like those are people that uh, may be new to the ecosystem. And thus, if they're new, I felt like I wanted to grab their attention first. Um but yeah, sharing, trying to find other sites that are similar to your niche and sharing content and being sure that when you share that content, you're not just blasting out form letters, but that you're saying, hey, I know you write about this. So I think these three blog posts would be interesting to your audience. I would love it if you share them or if you do an email roundup, if you could include them, that would be great. And um, respecting people's time when you do that, I think is, is a super important thing. But yeah, there's tons and tons you could do around promoting your posts and sharing them with other people, mm. um, paying people on Twitter and saying, hey, I saw you shared this recently. I wrote something similar. You may be interested in it. And just trying to be authentic um, and genuine when you do that, I think is one of the biggest uh, and most important factors and not just blasting out form email after form email, uh, as, as I'm sure you do as well. When I see those, I just delete it and I just oh, ignore God. it. Oh God, there was, so I actually almost sent out two screenshots the other day, uh, on Twitter because I forget what, um, oh man, it's uh, it's definitely a hosting company. No, no, no. It's a template. Com I think it's template monster, template monster. Um, I, to be honest, I ignore every email they send me. Yeah. And, but it's funny. It was like, I literally got two emails at the same time for one was for Matt report and one was for our theme company. And it was both like the same exact message with, hey, really loved your post. Wondering if you would post our link on this post. And it was like one was mattreport.com slash whatever the post was. And the next one was slocumthemes.com, whatever the post was. And it was like <laughs> they came in. I was going to do it because they both said one minute ago. And it was like <laughs> from the same person. I was like, this is why the Internet sucks because of people like this, right? Yeah. Um, For me, it was a... Um started out as a good conversation and then they uh, asked to publish a guest post and um, I'm pretty picky about guest posts so I was like all right I'll, I'll review some ideas why don't you send over some ideas and this was before I started just rejecting emails if they don't have ideas and um, the ideas I got were completely unrelated to e-commerce and I was like I am never ever responding to another email you send me again <laughs> absolutely um, so sort of wrapping things up here are, would, would you accept uh, you know Posts from freelance writers, pitches from freelance writers who just simply want to contribute good content. Um, 
like the, maybe like I'm thinking like Torque Mag. If I think they pr- are pretty prominent on doing stuff like that. Yeah, it's definitely something that I'm open to, but I don't do a lot just because um, uh, for most people, I feel like the content quality is kind of half-assed sometimes for sure. for uh, for guest posts. Now, I don't expect you to get nothing in return when you give people free content, so I'm totally fine with people writing a guest post trying to promote a product they have, but there also has to be a point for my readers too. And sometimes I feel like guest posts don't bear that in mind that while you get promotion out of it, I don't want just free content you know i don't care about free content i want like good content that has a purpose for my readers and it should help them and so as long as it, it meets those goals and um it's not just like a, a personal shill for something you're trying to to promote um it's not bad to promote things but there's got to be a point in me publishing it and how do you measure who your audience is um i think that's always been a struggle of mine as well with uh you know either YouTube channels that I've run or, you know, blog blogs that I run is really measuring who the, what the demographic is that's sort of tuning into the content and are they seeing success from it or am I successful giving them the content they want? How, how do you measure that for what you're doing? Yeah, it's, it's one of the hardest things for sure. Um, uh, I try to aggregate a bunch of different sources. One being uh, looking at my comments section and kind of assessing, you know, are these people implementers, developers, are they the merchants themselves, you know, who's asking me these questions? Uh, because I get a lot of questions since I'm, I'm trying to help people. And um, so people love that and run with it, which sometimes is, is good and sometimes bad. Uh, and then same thing with emails, you know, uh, hey, I was trying to set up this kind of site, what plugin would you recommend for it? Um, and so, you get a feel for it that way, but then also where people come from and what they're searching for has been valuable for me. So doing a lot of Google Analytics digging um, over time to see uh, the referrer for the site. So where are you coming from? You know, which blogs may have been reading that link to this? Uh, like, were you reading something on Shopify.com that linked to this? Because that's kind of cool. You're probably, a, you know, a merchant or a Shopify expert, so you're a developer. Um, and then uh, also what kind of keywords, obviously, you're getting. And the way those keywords are laid out is usually valuable because you can kind of uh, know if people are using what you would consider like developer terminology versus user terminology. Um, not, not great, obviously, when, when most of your keywords are undefined, but, you know, it's still something you can draw insights from over time. Yeah, yeah, certainly using something like Search Console, which was, I think, called Webmaster Tools at one point. Yep. Um, you know, and sort of, and you, you know, I, I talked to Nathan from Elegant Themes about this. It's, it's such a difficult way to measure like groups and maybe maybe you know of it maybe a way that you solve this but it's so hard to measure like groups of content or series of content like if you had you know a let's say a 10-part series on setting up woocommerce like how do you group that content uh into like a series so in google analytics so let's say you write about 10 ways to set up WooCommerce, and then six months from now, you write another beginner series on something else. But you want to say, like, all of my beginner series content, like, what is the value of that for my for my traffic? Like, do I get a lot of beginner traffic? Uh, do I get a lot of developer traffic? And grouping that uh, sort of, I guess, categories of content. Difficult, I think, um, in Google Analytics, yeah, if not impossible. <laughs> not found an easy way to do it. Um, definitely, like you said, looking at which posts people are, are visiting, I just kind of know internally because yeah. <laughs> um, I'm writing most of it. And so uh, 
uh, having that intimate knowledge of what each post says when you just look at the slog, it definitely helps. Um, but yeah, if you're managing a multi-author blog, I can see how that would quickly become very difficult. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Something I'd love to really tackle. It's, you know, it's one of those, you know, spreadsheet hell scenarios where you just like export everything from Google Analytics and you have to go and tag it all yourself and yep. move, it, move yep. it over. Uh, interesting stuff. What's next for uh, any big announcements for Skyverge itself in terms of product releases or uh, the Sell with WP website? Anything new and exciting happening down coming down in this winter, fall, winter season? Yeah, I got a few things in, in the pipeline. So we're set with WP. We're trying to do more um, case studies of both merchants and developers. So um, I would love to return the favor and invite you back to, to do one of those with sure. Jai. Um, so we are trying to kind of uh, learn how people have gotten into WooCommerce and, and, and how they've built their business and their brand um, since like podcasts like this, I always feel like it's you can take something from each one you listen to, even if it's not you know the whole forty minutes or an hour or whatever uh, that relates to you. There's typically something you can find. So we're trying to do more of that and get kind of stories from people. Um, and uh, on the Skyverge side, uh, lots of exciting stuff. We're always building. Um, the one I mentioned earlier, our bin and cart app. Um, we kind of dipped our toe in with WooCommerce at first, trying to get some early feedback from some early adopters, um, and that's now ramping up. So that's something we're going to put some more focus on uh, in the coming months and try and um, help merchants recover, you know, lost revenue from from their abandoned carts. And um, Jilt is is the name of that app, J I L T. Um, that we're doing a, a website refresh for that, really putting some marketing behind it. Um, now that we've kind of had a, a good group of WooCommerce merchants as early adopters for it. And what's the what's the URL to that? Jilt.com. Jilt.com. There you go. Jilt.com. Yeah. Check it out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> was it, it was an expensive one to acquire. Yeah. Four letter ones are always rough. Yeah. yeah, That's true. That's true. Becca, this has been an amazing, uh, interview. Where can folks find you on the web to say thanks? Uh, yeah. And likewise for me, this is great, a great conversation. Glad that, uh, we were able to set some time aside. Uh, if you want to find me, um, my sell with WP obviously, uh, is a good place. Sell with WP.com altogether or skyverge.com s-k-y-v-e-r-g-e you can find me on twitter at b-e-k-a underscore r-i-c-e um and uh the sell with wp and skyverge contact forms also come to me so you know you can get in touch with me any of those ways awesome stuff are you going to be at wordcamp us I am not. I am uh, nomading around the U.S. right now, and I'm oh. not going not going towards home uh, until a little bit later in December. I am from the greater Philly area. Oh, but, okay. Yes, uh, I. Sh- I uh, you know, as long as uh, all the baby stuff is good, I don't have to. Uh, I will definitely be there. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was a blast last year. I'm sad that it's not going to work out this year, but um, I can't feel too bad when I'm um, doing a tour of U.S. cities this year. So living the dream, <laughs> the four-hour work week. Yeah, right. Oh, God. I wish. <laughs> I wish. Time by about 20. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, awesome stuff, Becca. Thanks for doing this. MattReport.com slash subscribe if you're jo- enjoying season four, which of course you are because we're having some amazing guests here. Head on over to iTunes. Leave us a five-star review. Really helps us get found. Every podcaster says that, but guess what? It's the truth. <laughs> uh, it's the truth. It helps us get found. More folks can find us. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time. Hey everyone, did you enjoy this episode? Head on over to iTunes, leave us a five-star review. It really helps. I say it all the time, but it definitely 
definitely does always reach out to our guests and say thanks. Uh, we always link them up at the end of the show to share their Twitter account or wherever they can be found online. So make sure you go ahead and do that. They spend a lot of time with us. And thank our sponsors, Pagely and Valet, for keeping the Matt Report going until the end of the year. If you're interested in sponsoring the Matt Report, you can get a hold of me. It's mattreportblog at gmail.com or just mattreport.com slash contact. Reach out. Uh, we are looking for sponsorships going into 2017. Again, if you want to sponsor one of the premier WordPress podcasts out there, go ahead and reach out, mattreport.com slash contact. 